0: Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now.
1: Today on Happy Sad Confused, Killian Murphy returns with season five of Peaky Blinders. Hey guys, I'm Josh Harowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy Sad Confused. This is a special one. I say that a lot. Okay, I admit it. I say every episode's special, but uh, Killian Murphy is the guest on today's Happy Second Confused. And if you can, you can detect the emotion in my otherwise emotionless uh, uh, body. I actually feel excitement today, guys, because Killian Murphy's been on the list for a while, and and he's been he's a tough one, guys, because he a doesn't do that much press, and b doesn't do it because he frankly doesn't, I, and I don't blame him. He doesn't enjoy doing a lot of conversing about his craft and acting. He's not in it for the fame. He's not in it for the celebrity. He's so anti all of that stuff. And for that reason, A, I, I, I was worried about even... I was wondering when we'd actually get him in, to be frank. I've been working on this for a while. And B, I didn't know how it would go. Like, would he be miserable to be here? Am I forcing him <laughs> against his will? Would he hate me? Yada, yada, all that stuff. Well, the good news is he came... He was happy. He was in a great mood, uh, and we got along. He was—he's a big old film nerd like me, like you guys. So uh, we got on famously. We spent a lot, a lot of time afterwards just chit-chatting ch- about other movies that are we've seen recently. Like he—he—he he, he, he couldn't have been better, and I'm so relieved uh, that he turned out to be as uh, to be as charming and delightful as he was. See, just because you hate doing press doesn't mean you're a bad guy. It often actually means you're a good guy. <laughs> um, so Killian Murphy, if you don't know, um, has been starring the last few years on BBC's Peaky Blinders, which is one of the best shows on TV for my money. I discovered it way too late, like about a year ago. I caught up on all the episodes. And the new season is out there right now. It's on Netflix uh, the fifth season of the show, he plays Thomas Shelby, of course, uh, kind of the leader of this crime family. He's now in politics in the fifth season. Uh, such an amazing ensemble of actors that have repeated throughout. And now this season, we get Tom Hardy back in the mix for a little bit. We got Anya Taylor-Joy. We got our friend Sam Claflin on on the, on the series now. Um, well worth your time. If you haven't caught up with Peaky Blinders, I encourage you to do so right now. Uh, and of course, you know, in this conversation, we talk about a bunch of other things. Killian has worked with some of the best filmmakers out there, whether it's Neil Jordan, Danny Boyle, we go in hard on 28 Days Later and Sunshine, which I love. I absolutely adore. Um, and, and also just, you know, his, his association with Christopher Nolan, which I think a lot of audiences associate with, uh, with Killian's career. He, of course, um, was in Batman, actually all three of the Batman films, most notably Batman Begins as Jonathan Crane, a.k.a. Scarecrow. What you may not know is he was almost Batman, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne himself. Uh, He was up for that role. There's actually audition footage on YouTube. You can find uh, a little snippet of him in the Bat costume. Um, It didn't work out. He wasn't right for that role, but what Christopher saw something really special in that audition and decided to pivot and make him Scarecrow and ever since then they've worked together on Inception and Dunkirk and I'm sure they're going to continue working through the rest of their respective careers so um, Great things can come even if you you know don't get the part you necessarily go in for other great things can happen out of it So uh, we're all the better for it, too um, so very proud of this conversation, very happy that Killing came by. I hope you guys enjoyed as much uh, as I did. Um, and other than that, what, what else to mention? I mentioned last week, you know, we've debuted the new Paramount Network series. If you haven't checked out On Location, please do so. I think you're going to enjoy it. If you love movies as much as I do, this is a show all about celebrating classic movies and the classic locations where they shot with amazing guests. The first episode is up with the great Lance Reddick talking about the John Wick movies. It's on on Paramount Network's YouTube page, it's on Paramount Network's Facebook page, if you dig through my social media, Joshua Horowitz, I've been posting about it, so you can't miss it, and some really cool guests to come, including Kevin Smith, and M. Night Shyamalan, and Zoe Deschanel, and a ton more, Um, so yeah, good stuff happening all around, hope you guys are enjoying all the cool fall movies that are starting to come out, if you've seen Joker, hope you dig it, if you didn't, that's okay too. Let's agree to disagree. (laughs) Um, That's all I'm going to say now. Let's go to the main event, shall we? Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused. Spread the good word of my little podcast. And enjoy this chat with Mr. Killian Murphy. Thank you for coming by today, man. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, big admirer of your work. Uh, you've been on the list for a while to talk to. I know I know this isn't like the, the favorite thing to do for you, so I'll try to make this as painless as possible. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like I've been circling you whether consciously or unconsciously. I've had like everyone, Danny Boyle, Chris Nolan, Brendan Gleason. It's like this is your life, Killian Murphy, around <laughs> you, <laughs> building up to you. Um Peaky Blinders. Might as well start there, because sure. that's what that's what the name of the game is right now. Um, this is a great, great show. Oh, thank uh, I've you. I've been a fan the last couple. Of, like, I was a late bloomer. I think maybe a lot of Americans were. They took them a little time yeah. to catch up to yeah. what, was, uh, what was cooking with BBC. Um, you've done, what, 30, I'm trying to think, se- season five now, probably 30 hours of this? Yes,
0: exactly, yeah.
1: So, you know, as somebody that probably likes to mix it up and keep it interesting, mm-hmm. you know, that's the nature of the job. Are you surprised that this series, this role, is still as richly rewarding for you five seasons in?
0: I'm, I'm delighted and surprised, and uh, you know, uh, humbled really. Um, it, from the get-go, from reading it, I knew it was kind of something special. The, 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 the writing was so strong and so confident and original. Yeah. Um this is seven years ago we did we started it so it's quite a while um and uh i was aware that something was kind of happening in television you know because we'd all watched um those kind of seminal uh, american like shows breaking bads and exactly
1: okay yeah, sure
0: yeah and um I, I think the bbc were consciously trying to compete yeah if possible with those kind of shows and steve just happened to step into that moment with these scripts, and I happened to be looking for television at that time, and it was all this lovely kind of confluence of sort of
1: coincidence and serendipity, and it just happened. You know. You mentioned Stephen. This is Stephen Knight, of course, who's uh, yeah. your close collaborator on this one, the brain, the brains behind this uh, wonderful, uh, crazy ensemble uh, and and saga. Now, mm-hmm. um, the way it's 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 developed is fascinating. I mean, I, I I almost say to like people that don't know anything about it, it's like imagine like a crime drama like, like, like the godfather stretched over 30 hours like it's 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 got the that kind of like intricacy within a family yeah. played against such a, a a rich tapestry a rich time period a rich uh location um and to see sort of the way these interpersonal relationships kind of intermingle with history yes is yeah. is quite fascinating um what I mean, what was Steven's, like? Did Steven pitch you, or was it in the on the page what he what he gave you? I had met him
0: before for another movie um, a couple of years before that, and we'd gotten on really well, and it didn't work out for whatever reason. All right, and um, so I was a, an admirer of him, and I I knew that when I when when we sat down together, we we kind of had a, that, you know, we got on very well. Yeah, and we uh, and so then when it came around again, I was I was aware that he was a proper talent at that stage. Uh, And then, no, I think he he talked to me about it and he talked to me about, you know, what it was influenced by, which was really, you know, the fact that in Britain, television generally had been about um, the upper classes, the aristocracy, the sort of upstairs downstairs type of uh, story and that there had never really been a piece of television that sort of mythologized the working class yeah. in Britain, which you guys here in America do so brilliantly, you know, mythologizing cowboys and, you know, Italian Americans, which are all effectively right. immigrants, essentially. And we, uh, well, I speak as an Irishman, but in Britain that that hadn't really happened. So Steve was was about was about, I suppose, addressing that and also setting a story not in London but in Birmingham, which right. is the second city, but for a long time was not a very fashionable mm-hmm. city. And uh, um, But he wrote about where, where he's from, which is Birmingham. And, he, and this story was handed down to him by his uncles and his mother. So uh, he lived with it for a long time before he put pen to paper. Yeah. So it was very rich, now, inevitably, it's um, it's, it's it, it is uh, a gangster piece, and in it, in it and and uh, it is of that genre. But I think it has a different spin on it because it's British, yeah. and because it's between the wars. It's it, you so you see these men and they're sort of stumbling through life, suffering the aftermath of being uh, you know ejected from. The, the the most mechanized most horrific bloodshed ever known to to man to that point which was the first world war and and they're trying to have to just ha- having to adjust to society and having to find a place for themselves and each of them the characters in our show sort of dealing with that in a different way um, so that that was a very exciting setup so from the beginning all the characters were broken
1: yeah. And that's a good place to start as an actor. You don't want a, uh, yeah. don't want a fixed guy. You want the guy that's, that's trying broken. to piece himself back together. Exactly, yeah. And he, uh, yeah. So is, are you just still discovering new things about Thomas five seasons in? Yes, for sure. Um,
0: and he writes it so elegantly. He, you know, he, he, he uh, reveals very, very slowly, uh, it's like peeling back uh, layers every, every season, then you get to go, you get insights back into what Tommy was like pre the First World War. Right. And I think Steve's arc is, is to ultimately redeem him. Um, because, you know, he is, in Steve's words, a, 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 you know, a good man who does bad things to a good end. Right. Which I really like, you know. Um, and he's a contradiction as, as we all are you know yeah. as human beings so uh yeah every 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 series now he's a politician he 's an m p yep. how do you how do you reconcile that with being a gangster how do you reconcile being a father with being a gangster how do you, how do you reconcile being a husband how do you deal with an ideology um a fascist ideology something that you can 't um something that you can't use you know, machine guns
1: against. Yeah. So all of that stuff, it's just very rich. Rich territory for mm-hmm. you. Yeah, you mentioned that the rise of fascism, which is kind of like the backdrop of this season. Mm-hmm. You bring in someone I, I've i gotten to know well really, Sam Claflin, a very talented actor. Great actor. And does, I mean, I've never seen him in a role like this, and yeah. that's sort of the fun of this smashes one. He slashes it in this. Oh, he film. kills it in yeah. this one. Yeah, but Yeah. stay through the last episode. It's amazing that yeah. you end the season on a really great, uh, powerful note. Um, and it creeps up on you too. Yeah. That character. Um, I, I've been struck from the start of the show. On, on, I mean, you, you obviously you anchored this show, but you're surrounded by this amazing ensemble mm-hmm. of actors. Some of which have been consistent throughout, and some that that come and go. Your buddy Tom Hardy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, delicious to watch always. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have worked together a few times. Yeah, yeah.
0: We go back. Me and Tom. I mean, I I, I kind of knew him years ago. And we were both kind of getting going and then we did a few Chris Nolan films together right Uh, or well we were in Inception together and then I think I was in one of the dark or one of the Batman films that he was in yeah he was in Rises uh, the third yeah Yeah. and then uh, and then every year in Peaky so you know we keep in touch we get on great and uh, I love acting opposite him he's such a such an inventive uh, unpredictable actor. That's what you want. Yeah, and and it feels like they're sort of, kind of, brothers from another mother or something like that. Yeah. You know, they they were both in the war together, and they have this amazing kind of antagonistic friendship. Yeah, uh, which I really enjoy. So yeah, it, and then people like Sam Neill, fantastic. You know, Adrian Brody, um, just
1: and um, mccrory who i adore you know these fantastic actors and then in the season you bring in people like anya taylor joy yeah i mean it's it, yeah it's it's always always keeps it interesting so for someone like tom i'm just curious from an actor perspective, and somebody that's like a friend of his like i don't know about you al i as just like a fan of the medium and uh, of acting and just seeing performers i respond to i like it when actors make big choices that mm-hmm. go for it you know, I think of him in, doing Bane, which could have, he could have fallen flat on his face. And I was just like obsessed with what he did there. <laughs> I don't know about you. Loved it. Yeah. Right? Loved it. Um, I mean, what is your your kind of philosophy on like, is it is it, I mean, this maybe is, is, is the wrong uh, phrase to use, but go big or go home. You don't always need to go big on a character if it no. doesn't necessitate that, but you do want to make. Strong choices. For sure. And I think it comes from the environment
0: that you're in, which is generally created by the director. Right. Now, for example, if you're on a Nolan picture, inevitably Chris has written it. Yes. And he's directing it. So, and he's, you know, one of the greatest filmmakers we have today. Yeah. So you're in a really safe place to create and to sort of uh, um, explore and you know try stuff that might in another context seem outrageous but you know when you have the confidence of a filmmaker who's sure. gonna walk you through it and, and protect you
1: in on set and in the edit and know sure. how to calibrate that
0: yeah and 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 i think those those situations that's what every actor hopes for is that that safety net that that place where you can experiment and go big and it might not always work but then you can change it and you know yeah um that's what we all h- hope for i think Can
1: you, uh, so like for something like Thomas, who is 180 from you, is as far from you seemingly as possible, Mm -hmm. I would hope. Uh, (laughs) Believe me, I'm not that interesting. Well, well, I'll (laughs) be the judge of that. Um, But, I mean, even in the physicality of him, the way he carries himself, I'm sure, you're not a smoker, I don't think. No, no. You've had to smoke a lot of fake cigarettes over the last six years.
0: Yeah, yeah, (laughs) like I suppose when I read it, I read the scripts, and I knew this guy had to be sort of... Uh, he had to be physically intimidating. He had to be intimidating in his presence. Um, so we... It was an exercise in kind of trying to find ways that me, who's not a very physically imposing person, uh, could embody this character, who was that sort of physically imposed.
1: So, you know, it's it drop the voice. I was going to say, the voice is... A, is a And that's something that I've noticed in in a bunch of your characters uh, over the years. Like that's always that can really tell a lot about a character.
0: Well, it's a way of finding. You know, you can find a way into a character through various ways. And I spent a lot of time with Tommy trying to find ways. Like he's a he's a decorated soldier, uh, veteran of the First World War. Right. So the guy is, you know. He's seen stuff that you and I couldn't even begin right. to conceive. Um, so then the haircut, the voice, the walk, uh, the costumes—you do every everything you can to 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 make you not look like um, just an actor who's walked in off the right. street. So uh, so it was, a, it was a long process to get there, and it's kind of evolved over the course of the show.
1: It must boggle your mind that the haircut has become—I'm I mean, sure—in every interview you talk about the haircut. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> well. It's nuts, isn't it? I mean, it's become a thing. It's like it's, you started a trend like a, that's lasted. It's like a, it's not since the Friends Rachel haircut. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's
0: yeah, it's beloved beloved of like fashionistas and um, hipsters. And I, you know, the weird thing is, I keep saying to them, you realize it's a, it's 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 to prevent against lice. Like, as, as a, just be nothing aware.
1: more trendy than going against. <laughs> Yeah, in
0: <laughs> hair infestation. But um uh but 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 it's a very graphic silhouette. Yes. Do you Striking. know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. yeah. With that haircut, the cap and the costume, it's it became instantly sort of recognizable yeah. as a peaky thing. Again it was a total fluke, but we just chanced upon
1: something. All of this is kind of alchemy. Of course. And if, if it's not in a boardroom you're like wait how are we going to yeah. get the zeitgeist to be interested in no this? one knows and
0: and no one knows yeah. and and again if you ever try and shoot for a spe- specific demographic you ever try and shoot for uh, you know um, to be fashionable or relevant you're dead
1: yeah none of the, these things happen by by design it was just total like it was just luck you also have uh, over the years have had you know maybe the coolest soundtrack of any show um yeah, if I were you, I, I like maybe I would. I was gonna say I would have Red Right Hand as my ringtone. Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe that's the worst actually possible idea. Um, and some musicians have 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 fallen in love with the show too. Did, it was Bo, Bowie was a fan, wasn't he? Yeah, that's amazing.
0: Bowie was a fan, and uh, did he reach out to you? Yeah, I got to meet him, and yeah, it was that was quite humbling and uh, sort of. Uh, unbelievable that that he was a fan and wanted to have his music in the show and um leonard cohn and you know radiohead uh, and nick cave obviously it all kind of started with nick cave sure. he sort of set the bar and the tone and the atmosphere of what the music would be but musicians really seem to love the show and this year we um anna Calvi did the score and she's an incredible artist and yeah, and I'm a music obsessive, so it's it's it's
1: it just I, I can't I, you know it's a yeah this must be icing on the cake for someone like you I know you you were, would have just been just as happy making music your life
0: well, yes except it wouldn't be very good but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but to to have musicians that I've idolized you know um, offer their music to the show has been so just
1: just kind of a pinch yourself moment you know so going back if you'll indulge me for at least a little bit like when you. So music was a love as much as acting, or even before acting, growing up. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah,
0: I didn't start acting until I was 19, so uh, it was all music, yeah.
1: So what did, what did your your parents... You come from a, a long line of teachers, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of teachers in the family. Yeah. What did they make of the artist's son who was fascinated by music and then acting? And
0: Well, here's the thing. Because they were all teachers, majority of them were teachers, and... Um, it's not to say that they didn't have a, you know, big interest in the arts. It was just at that time in Ireland, there was very very few people made actually a living from being an actor sure. or a writer or a musician, and if they did, they had to leave. And so it was all. There was always books in our house, always music in our house, but it just it wasn't an, a, a realistic, a possi- yeah, yeah, a possibility. So, um, so. Uh, and I didn't even. I just sort of fell into it by accident, you know. But they, 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 they're very proud and very happy, you know. And uh, um, yeah, it's it's worked out fine. I'd say
1: so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were the films and TV that that really drew you in as a boy? Do you remember what really made a, an impact? impact any memorable theater-going experiences for you? Yeah, there's a few things. I mean.
0: Twin Peaks was a huge thing, watching that as a kid. <laughs> I remember watching that like and being and, and like hiding behind the sofa just watching it.
1: We're I think we're like almost exactly the same age. Oh, right. So we would have been I think like twelve or thirteen there was around when yeah. And it still haunts me
0: to this day, you know, some of those That images. Angelo yeah. Baldamenti score. What a score. I Come mean on. the whole the atmosphere. See, one of the hardest things to do, I think, in film and television is atmosphere. Yeah. Where you feel like you're in it, you feel like it gets into the fiber of your being. You know, you can smell it almost. Yeah, that's so hard to get. And Lynch just does that.
1: You know, and I always I think of it just, even though I could rewatch the opening credits of that show yeah. over and over. I mean, like, the, like you see like the waterfall and the music, and you're just there. Yeah, you're there. And <laughs>
0: you know, again, it's another one of those how, why, but it just it just yeah.
1: works. You know, you've never worked with Lynch, have you? No, oh, I would just love to. Pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I don't want to unnerve you, but I've watched a bunch of the the missing films that I hadn't seen in your filmography the last few days. So I watched oh. Disco Pigs, and oh, I watched. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm ashamed to say I had never seen Breakfast on Pluto, even though I'm a huge Neil Jordan fan. Um, but Disco Pigs was the was the big one that really did transition for you. Like I mean, you had done this on the stage for a while. Yeah. And then you guys made a film of it. Yeah. Uh, so what, you you kind of lived that character for a while.
0: Yeah, I did it when I was like 19. It was my first ever ever professional role on stage. And then I went off and did other bits and bobs. Yeah. And I did a couple of other films. But that was about four years later, we made the film of the play. And I suppose it was the first film
1: uh, that people saw, really. Yeah. Did it immediately open doors? Did you feel like a world was opening up to you in terms of opportunity?
0: Well, Danny Boyle saw it. When he was casting uh, Twenty Eight Days Later, so that certainly it put me in the room with him, and then I had to audition for uh,
1: Twenty Eight Days Later. I would assume as you must have been a fan of Danny's. By oh, I mean, you down in that room,
0: yeah. I mean, Shallow Grave, Train Spotting were f- seminal, sort of formative movies for me. I remember yeah. watching them in the cinema. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was f- like, I recognised that fact that he was, you know,
1: world class director. Um, and I worked my ass off on those auditions. Sure, yeah. his um, he's been in here, and I've talked to him a number of times. He's just such a has such a spirit to him. Mm-hmm. Like he's just like he's like someone like Tarantino. You could talk to him about film yeah. for hours, and he seemingly has like boundless enthusiasm. Yes, is yeah. that fair to say on on the well, set of his films?
0: Yeah, like he the the, the joy of filmmaking yeah. just runs through him. And I remember the thing that always stands out for me about Danny is that he he. You know, some directors will have a perch behind Video Village and they'll sit there. Danny never sits down. (laughs) Never. Like, so you have a 16 hour day, whatever. He's never, he never sits down. And that, that enthusiasm or that joy just percolates down to all of the crew and they all would, they'd follow him to the end of the world, you know, because he has such passion for it and he knows every single person's name. You know, he's, he's, These uh, are the small things that yeah, matter. Absolutely, and and that's what makes you a, a sort of a, a leader, you know what I mean? In, yeah. in that, because ultimately the director is the leader.
1: Is it disheartening sometimes when you look around? And, and I mean, all directors do it different ways. Some live in Video Village, some are right by the camera. Mm. Would you rather have them kind of next to that camera? Well, I can there? only
0: speak from my experience, and I've been very lucky, but people like Danny Boyd, people like Nolan, they are in and involved with. Every single detail of every department, yeah. and effectively, if they could, they would be the the, <laughs> the head of each department. But yeah. you know, it's a collaborative business. But yeah, no, uh, that like Chris Nolan when he shoots those movies, it's Chris and the cameraman and Chris and a little monitor that 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 that's it, and the and the boom up Even you know, and they they have these. Uh, the sense of epic
1: scale but it feels like making a little indie movie you know yeah that's what the best too. i mean i i i, I also rewatched sunshine which for my money is one of the great underrated like classics of the underrated last... <laughs> i think so i don't you? well i mean in that like no i agree it, with don't you don't you think i well, mean it... it's a gorgeous like marriage of like music mm-hmm. and sound and, and image and and just emotion it's 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 a powerful piece space of work. Space
0: movies are tough, you know? Space I know
1: it took a lot out of him. He's talked about how, like, that uh, one kind of broke him. <laughs> yeah. It was tough for all of us. And,
0: and I think sometimes with space movies as well, there's a, there's a few we could mention that when they were released, people were like,
1: eh. Oh, sure. And even, then, even 2001 at the time. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like Alien. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, then, and then people over time go, actually, and I think that's kind of happened with Sunshine. Uh, it didn't, didn't. it came out also on the hottest day of the year.
1: <laughs> Irony, I, right there. In, in uh, London, which uh, didn't Great out. viral marketing by Danny yeah. Boyle and Fox's part. <laughs> well, let's not go and see that
0: film today. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it, in fact, Tarantino, um, it's one of his favorite space movies. So um, we were all, very, well, I certainly was very heartened to hear that, because I'm very proud of it.
1: Yeah. And going back to 28 Days, that was, I mean, also notable in one of the first, if not the first digital Hmm. Films did that make any difference to you at the time? Like, did you notice? Do you notice the apparatus that's being used, or do you notice? Wait, I'm doing takes that are going on for an hour as opposed to five minutes. Or? Well, you
0: see, they were that was they were domestic DV cameras. They were they were like on these little tiny cartridges, okay. they were these big cumbersome yokes. And um, it was an- Anthony Dodd Mantle who shot that mm-hmm. uh, f- a film. Who's an incredible DP. He would have been part of the Dogma movement you know sure. and um, so we could have those cameras everywhere and you could just get like anyone could operate them once they were Anthony set them up the correct way but everyone was just carrying around these little cartridges of film going, and you know you'd feel so flimsy yeah, and yeah. I like wait
1: that's so actually frightening as a it artist. is
0: <laughs> but it wasn't quite DV or digital as we know it now the, the quality is unbelievable unbelievably grainy
1: right you can imitate or, or achieve anything yeah. with digital now virtually yeah this was don't quite, tell no one that but no a lot of people <laughs> no not
0: not for chris but like it, very low fidelity i suppose is what i'm trying yes. to say but it gives it it almost gives the uh, the thing that he wanted i think was the idea that they it was like someone was just running behind them with the, with the domestic camera filming them you know and it was i think influenced by that dogma movement which was around that time was around at that time
1: right? yeah so, in the wake, I mean, that, that, that is, I mean, yes, as much as Disco Pigs open, opens up a world, that opened up a whole variety of options for mm. you. That must have been challenging, exciting, a lot to take in as a uh, young actor. Did you feel like, I know what to do with this kind of, to use the horrible phrase, of like, juice in Hollywood, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, did you know how to, like, set priorities and know what kind of path you wanted to set out on at that point? Well, no, is the short
0: answer, <laughs> but, but I, I guess I was very blessed to have worked with Danny that early in my career and to realise that, you know, I was kind of informed by uh, the way he worked yeah, and the sort of movies that he talked to me about and the intensity at which he worked. And also Alex Garland, who wrote it, he's was sure. a friend of mine, You know, he influenced me a lot. And so I was very clear, then I think, about the sort of films that I wanted to do and the sort of films that I wanted to steer clear of. Yes.
1: Um, Yeah, um, I read some quote of yours. It's like, I'm not even going to try and approximate it, but like the power of saying no. It's as important to know what to say no to.
0: Yeah, and I I would have been, I suppose, quite shy and stuff and um, not very good at doing the old work in the room, shall we say. And uh, um, I always felt, and I still feel that the work should do the talking, yeah. not the not the person. Um, so yeah, I went back and did more theater after Twenty Eight Days There. It Didn't
1: uh, like it? Didn't uh, go skyrocket all of a sudden. Yeah, um, yeah. You were you, it's kind of spoiled in a way by like working with these people, like relatively early on, like mm. Danny, and then soon there, relatively soon there after meeting Christopher Nolan. Yeah. Um, who are who are the ones that can like operate on the grandest scales but make it still feel intimate and, and special and not like cookie cutter hollywood crap <laughs> um you meet christopher on the audition for batman begins yes um you were a fan i know uh, yes. memento following yeah. insomnia at that point mm-hmm. um there's tape out there of you in the bat suit online if one wants to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you could see why I didn't get the part. <laughs> You're a slight man. <laughs> you yeah. could have filled out if you wanted to.
0: Well, you know, at that time, whatever. I, I, I knew that Christian Bale was auditioning, and I was like, well, that's obvious <laughs>
1: that he should play <laughs> the, the American part. psycho guy. But, look at his chest. But also, he's, a, he's a
0: phenomenal <laughs> no, actor. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it seemed to me obvious. But for me, I was just taking it like a. It was like a trip. It was like a wow! I get to go on the Warner Lot and like do a screen <laughs> test with Chris Nolan. Boom! I can tell my kids about that. Sure. If nothing else, and then it it turned into something else. So.
1: Does something like happen where anybody that gets in the bat suit, you feel like you have to like change your voice and do kind of the yeah. growl? Like it just you have to, right? Uh, or yeah. lower register? Yeah. I
0: mean, I uh, 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 I I wasn't directed to do that, I, um, <laughs> but it just felt like, uh, yeah. 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 You don't want to be like, "Hi, I'm Batman." No, it doesn't make any sense. Doesn't work. No. No. For some reason. Yeah. It. It just. It. 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 Yeah. Something drops
1: when you put that. When you put that cowl on. It's tightness in the belt or something. <laughs> uh, thankfully, it worked out for everybody. Because also, I will say, like, I don't know about you. I don't know if you think back, like, if you became Batman, you might be miserable. Like, I don't know. Like, knowing what I know about you, like, I don't know if, like. That would have been the life you would want, in a way. Do you think about it in those terms? I don't. Ever,
0: I don't ever think about it like that because it ended up working out great for me. Because I uh, ended up having a very fruitful working relationship with Chris, yeah. and um, and I think Christian Bale, I, I, like, just smashed just it killed it as as Bruce Wayne in Batman. So no, I never really think think about it think about it like that. I believe as well you you know if you have some sort of um authenticity about you mm-hmm. that you get the roles you're meant to have right. now that sounds really cheesy <laughs> what i mean is that if you if you're relatively comfortable in the path you want to move along yes creatively that stuff
1: that stuff comes to you for a reason yeah, yeah. i mentioned I, I finally caught up on breakfast on pluto many years too late but uh what an exceptional performance and i'm such i've always been a fan of neil jordan's he's so good man. so great yeah. i mean yeah and i'm sure as any great irish actor that's on the list you want to work with mm. neil jordan mm. um and just like a beautiful portrait of Kit. kitten is such like a open-hearted sweet character talk about voice that must mm. have been a big part of it to like find that cadence and yeah
0: yeah i spent a lot of time preparing for that one um like like months uh, trying to get that right. Yeah. And again, it's a, it's it's like, you know, with Tommy, it's a it's a series of sort of explorations and exercises and um, just tests to see what works best and what doesn't work. And yeah. eventually
1: you, you kind of narrow it down. Um, another one on the list that I'm sure you take pride in is one that shakes the barley, Ken Loach, who's yeah. a fascinating filmmaker. I mean, it's, it's hard to make, you know, quote, unquote, important film that doesn't feel like medicine that that is i mean like that 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 film at the end of the day is really about brothers yeah. know, and 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 is just packs a wallet by the end yeah no i mean again
0: you know i think he he's one of the greatest filmmakers we have yeah. and if you look at his body of work uh, the performances he gets from actors the messages that his films have within them um the, the the integrity that he has as a filmmaker, yeah, I just feel very privileged to have worked with him. And he's also a human, like an, an, an astounding human being. Yeah. So, yeah, th- th- that that was another kind of milestone for me. And I, you know, it was to me as an Irishman to make a, a film about my country, um, and 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 actually my county where I grew up, and then. F- for it to sort of resonate was, was, was really satisfying. Yeah, and a
1: film about, uh, obviously, the IRA and how it mm. splits apart families and what it did to, yeah. your, to your country. I mean, growing up, just that time period, you must have grown up when the IRA... Like, what was your understanding of the IRA as a child? Like,
0: Well, I mean, we... You know, I grew up in the 80s, really, and, it didn't like, the South, it, it was really just on the news. Yeah. It never never came home in any sort of tangible, tangible way. But, you know, it was all over... Our curriculum in, in school, um, but but the Civil War, which Ken deals with in the film, that had never really been um, treated on screen, and uh, and when it came out, like generations of like grandmothers were going to see it with their grandchildren and stuff, and and um, I think it was a good thing. For,
1: it was kind of a cathartic thing for the country. Yeah jumping around a little bit, but, like, it occurred to me, I forgot to bring up uh, what I thought was another exceptional actor you got to work with in um, Breakfast on. uh, Pluto was uh, Liam Neeson. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, um, in a role that, like, uh, very unlike I've seen him do before, Mm. um, must have been a a treat. Is he somebody that you kind of revered when you were coming of age as an actor?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a sort of, you know, Liam Neeson, Brendan Gleeson, and Stephen Ray, Gabriel Byrne. Yeah. Those guys you know they lay the way for all of us and we were all sort of in awe of them and i still am and i've got to work i haven't got to work with gabriel but i've got to work with all the others um with brendan like five or six times and stephen several times in film and on stage as well oh, so nice. they were all they couldn't have been more encouraging and more supportive of me as i set out and my Whatever you call it. <laughs> and, 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 uh, yeah, they're just gentlemen, you know.
1: Is it weird to work with someone like, uh, you're in Dunkirk and you see Barry, Barry Hogan, and be like, oh, wait, there's the next, yeah, the next gen. Yeah, and how good is he? He's great. I just met him for the first time. What a, what a spirit on him. Oh, <laughs> he's got, he's got the stuff. He really has. He's
0: so good. You know, like people like him and Jack Raynor, oh, you know. Jack was just here too. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. They're such strong actors, um, yeah. So yeah, there's, for a small country, I think we we have a fair output. You know?
1: Yeah, uh, a couple other a few things I'll, I'll hit, and then I promise to release you out into the wild, sir. Um, what did you make of the Inception script the first time you read it? Did you need a, Christopher to explain to you what the hell was going on, or did it read on the page? Uh,
0: no, I think it, 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 it. I think it took a few a few
1: reads. Dense, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah,
0: and. But you have to remember, he lived with that story for fifteen years or something before he'd made, made got to make the film. Yeah. So he knew every single frame of that film, and so again, you felt in totally safe, yeah. total confidence, and like, hang on, whose mind or what level? Are <laughs> and he would just just tell you know, work it all out
1: for you. And again, the beauty is like at the end of the day, I mean, it's a, a film with a lot of bells and whistles, and they're gorgeous to look at and experience, mm. but like. Oh wait! It's a story about a father and a son. It's Pete mm-hmm. passed away one of his sad, sadly, his yeah. final performances. It's just yeah. kind of beautiful scenes with you guys at the end, yeah. amidst all this bombastic yeah. excitement.
0: Yeah, that's. But that's. I think that's what, what 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 Chris does so brilliantly. He makes these incredibly sophisticated uh, blockbuster movies, but they have uh,
1: real emotion. to Yeah, them. I find them incredibly uh, uh, moving. His films, you know. I I. I I wait for the Christopher Nolan James Bond movie one day, which I feel is inevitable. Do you think it's gonna happen? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he's been making it in some ways in different forms already, and he's, he's unabashed yeah. in his love. It's so just, it just—it just needs to um, be the right timing. I think, yeah. don't you?
0: I—I I mean, listen, I'll—I'll I'll, I'll go to see it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah i won't go down the bond route i know every actor that i've talked to over the years whenever you bring up james bond they like oh no i can't say anything <laughs> just no no things. no comment it's fine it's fine um we have a, a weird indirect connection in that my brother wrote tron legacy oh really <laughs> he an adam horowitz oh um, cool yeah and uh and you of course you had a, a notable cameo well, in that one
0: well yeah because i uh, um because i Adore the first movie, and who course, doesn't? You know, yeah. and it's it's again a movie I watched as a kid. Yeah. Like it would come on the telly sometimes late at night. What, <laughs> what am exactly is, is this movie? <laughs> and I was just bugging my agent, going, "Is there any way I can? Is there anything in that <laughs> that I can just be in it just for my kids?" And everyone keeps saying, "Oh, they were setting it up for something."
1: I don't know if they were. I just wanted to be in it. You know. <laughs>
0: That's all.
1: I got some inside info. They were setting up for something. Were <laughs> I think oh, you were okay. going to come back. I didn't know that. I don't understand how a $400 million movie doesn't get a sequel. It was good. I liked I it. I started a petition. <laughs> you are on a not- notable sequel you can't say anything about. I think you just shot the new Quiet Place movie, mm-hmm. right? Um, fun to be. I mean, John Krasinski's is obviously looking This time he could focus solely on the directing, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how was that experience without... I know you can't say much about it, but did it Well, feel? there's a
0: good story about that. Um, uh, I brought my kids to see that movie yeah. in the cinema last year, and I thought it was one of the best films of the year. And I voted for it in all the awards, <laughs> and, uh, um, and I, I penned a letter to John Krasinski, an email, just can I rarely do this, just to say, man, what an achievement. Because to me, again, it was ostensibly you know a, a sort of a genre film, right. but to me, it felt it was all about family, of course. Yeah, and I found it like Emily Blunt's performance and, and the, whole, the 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 family unit I found it just so moving and yeah uh, and also terrifying so <laughs> anyway I penned this email but then I I didn't have the guts to send it to him I just got embarrassed so I was and then he called me up and said look there's a part in the oh, sequel."
1: that's how powerful John Krasinski is he can read the emails that aren't even sent I, I, I know It's just like his <laughs> own server <laughs> He's, he's the master of tron he's the mcu <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um do you know what you're doing next you mentioned it's going to be stage is going to take a backseat for a while that's a commitment but yeah i just i
0: did a very intense play you know. in here in new york last this year and and i just need a rest so and i just finished quiet place a couple of weeks ago so and i'm just having a
1: rest yeah. do you do you show your sons much film like when they came of age when they started to like be like old enough to watch films like did you have the list of the ones you needed to expose to them yeah
0: yeah mostly you know i'm not going to show them you know i don't know but i i want to sh- you know all the classic 80s movies yeah. you know what i mean like back to the future of you course. know i mean and all the indiana jones all those movies like big i've had i got such, so, you know the goonies just just watching those movies and seeing the joy in their faces yeah. watching that that has been a real thrill they all work thankfully they still work. all of those work they didn't <laughs> fail it didn't mention
1: the ones that don't quite hold up <laughs> but those work still not
0: they and they always ask me like how long ago is
1: it made and it
0: doesn't matter <laughs> it
1: doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> don't make me feel older than i am yeah um Thanks for taking, uh, indulging in a little bit of the, of the This Is Your Life, Killian Murphy. I, yeah. I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Um, I'm thrilled that you came by today that to chat a about Peaky Pleasure. Blinders. Thanks, oh. man. Uh, congratulations on the new season. Everybody should check it out. It's on Netflix. Uh, Peaky Blinders, if you're late to the party, it's never too late. Join the fun. It's an amazing <laughs> piece of work. Uh, Killian, thanks again. Lovely to chat, man. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate awesome. it. That was thanks, great.
0: Thanks,
1: man. That was great. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused.